Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Swings and Mishes. Before I get into all the action with Craig, stick with me for just a minute here as I tell you about our new sponsor, Ticket Rev. I think you're really going to like them. Ticket Rev is the first ever reverse marketplace for event tickets. So what that means is this. Buyers go on to TicketRev.com and create bids on events by simply choosing their preferred seating location and naming their offer price. Sellers are then able to see those bids and accept a bid matching the ticket's location and sell instantly. No more having to list on StubHub, Facebook, or wherever else for tickets to games or concerts. So there's advantages for both parties here. If you're the seller, you get not only a better commission than the rest of those sites, but you can sell your tickets instantly. You never have to list them on sale again. And if you're the buyer, you now have increased flexibility. You can choose your seat and you can name your price. It's better ticket deals and buyers finally can help determine their own pricing. Plus, we have a deal for you right now, a promo code on TicketRev.com. And that promo code, as always, is SWINGS. So all you need to do is go to TicketRev.com. That's TicketRev.com. And use the promo code SWINGS for $20 off your first bid. That's 20 bucks off your next tickets to a Marlins game. Guys, that pays for parking itself. Just go to TicketRev.com and use our promo code SWINGS. And we'll see you out there at Lone Depot Park. Now, let's get to the podcast. Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome to a very special episode of Swings and Mishes right after the MLB trade deadline. I'm your co-host and producer, Jeremy Taché, joined, as always, by Craig Mish, who was all over the MLB trade deadline for the Marlins yesterday and the days prior. Craig, any sort of initial thoughts before we get into the nitty and gritty of these Marlins trades? Absolutely wild deadline. <laughs> Just beyond anything that I possibly could have expected. And I guess that the waiver trade deadline had something to do with that with no more mm-hmm. trades, I guess. But but we we like to complain a lot about baseball and getting things wrong. But my gosh, that was as fun a deadline as I can ever recall in terms of the trades, in terms right. of the trade. Now, for me personally, it was not nearly as much fun mm. uh, as very early in the afternoon. I'm doing my show on Sports Grid, and people probably you know have no idea like what's going on. Right. Um, my son ended up having some allergic reaction, like literally as all of this is going on, I had to uh, you know rush him to the emergency room, and half of the trades are being done with me basically uh, sitting right there. So like an absolutely, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't mention a lot of personal stuff ever like on social media or here, but Mm -hmm. just like a a scary time. And, and here I am trying to navigate that as well. So I I hope I did a good enough job for everyone out there, given the circumstances of it. I was very bummed out not to go Friday night to the game because I definitely was going, but um, you know, family definitely took precedent there. Now, as far as the trades are concerned, Jeremy, I can't wait to get into them here because I mm-hmm. definitely think there's a lot to unpack on trades and trades that did not happen. And I would invite all of you who are listening to this to go over to the Herald column from me and Barry Jackson that is out right now, where you can read more about some other things that are going on with the Marlins as well. 
yeah, and the good news is the little man's okay. So we're, we're doing all right here. But but as, as, as we get into these trades, um, let's just sort of do this chronologically and start right at the very beginning. The first trade was the blockbuster trade for the Marlins, it turned out, which was on Wednesday. They traded Starling Marte to the Oakland Athletics in exchange for Jesus Lazardo. They did pay, uh, the, the reports were that the Marlins paid the rest of Starling Marte's contract uh, in order to be able to get Lazardo that specific prospect. Craig, what were your thoughts on that one-for-one deal with Oakland? I think that they had an opportunity with several other teams to get prospects back, but they they had a more longer-term view of it and look, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know that there were, they, they know that at some point they're going to be trading possibly multiple prospects mm-hmm. uh, on the pitching side to acquire bats. And, and they basically got another pitcher back. Now, one part of what I do is, is, and especially during the deadline is I am polling a lot of people on these trades inside baseball, outside baseball, like all, like, it's a nonstop week for me when these things are happening. So on the Lazardo trade, it seems like most, most of the responses on on that were, and again, I trust, I mean, I can give you my opinion, but I trust other people more than myself when it comes to this was that a, a pretty strong calculated risk by the Marlins. They probably could have gotten uh, better prospects that may turn out to be big league players but they took a big swing essentially in hoping that Lazardo is the prospect that he came up with, uh, with Oakland. I'm also told that Lazardo was available to other teams as well hmm. uh, at this trade deadline. So Oakland clearly had fallen out of favor with him for whatever reason that doesn't make them right at all. The, I feel like the A's are an extremely well-run organization and they tend to make a lot of right moves but that should not shake your confidence at all in Lazardo, who will get with Scott Aldred, who seems to be their new pitching whisperer. And the evidence would show that based on all of these guys who have come up. He's in the minor leagues. He usually works with guys. They have Mel Stottlemyre there as well. So that deal in particular, I think probably, as it turns out, going through it, I mean, it was the only significant trade. Right. And it was probably the best one that they made. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see. We're, obviously, we're going to have to play the result on that one. But most most people feel like the Marlins did okay there. It was it was worth taking the risk on Lazardo for Marte. Right. Simply one of those high upside moves when you're trading away a guy who was is going to be a rental in Oakland for the rest of the season to be able to end up with someone who at one time was being touted. I mean, before 2020, as a prospect, there were articles out there of, oh, this guy could be a dark horse Cy Young, right? So when the hype is there on that type of prospect, seems worth the risk. But we'll move. Good grade there. Yeah. Good we'll move to the that. next trade uh, that the Marlins made later that afternoon, and that was with Houston. Uh, they sent Yimmy Garcia out to Houston in exchange for sort of swingman, long reliever, short reliever, Austin Pruitt, but more importantly, outfielder Brian De La Cruz, the 24-year-old who was really tearing it up at the AAA level so far this season. So uh, that trade, Yimmy Garcia for De La Cruz and Pruitt, what are your thoughts here, Craig? Yeah, I reported earlier that day, it seemed like a lot, a lot of teams were interested in Garcia. Mm. Um, I'm not sure really why, but it seemed like there were. Garcia, to me, was a, a de facto closer 
only because you know the signing of Bass did, has, did not and has not worked out to right. this point. So uh, look, with the specifics in terms of that trade, I, I can't tell you like what other team was close or anything. I didn't get deep enough on Garcia mm-hmm. to know that. But Houston will use Garcia in the seventh inning, maybe the eighth. They have Presley, who's done a very good job for them in the ninth. Ironically, one of their other guys who has done a pretty good job is Ryan Stanek is there as well. Yeah. So now they have Stanek pitching along with Yumi Garcia. As far as Dilla Cruz is concerned, uh, you know, th- this, this is one of those trades where you basically, to me, you got something for nothing. I, I, yeah. and, and no disrespect to Yumi Garcia. I just, I was not a huge a fan I've, I've expressed that here uh, previously mm-hmm. uh with, with de la cruz you're looking at maybe a jeremy a fourth outfielder uh eventually maybe a starting outfielder uh, you know uh, i immediately after the trade i had guys in houston tell me wow you got a great person mm-hmm. he is a phenomenal kid he was fantastic in spring training almost made the team but really hard to make the team when you have the kind of players that houston has there kyle tucker michael brantley they wanted to give miles straw a shot ironically they traded straw yeah. yesterday too so I, I think de la cruz has a chance to be a, a you know a, a starting outfielder at times maybe a platoon outfielder at times maybe a fourth outfielder and he, he certainly showed this year in triple a that he could be that now his previous numbers would show that boy he needed some more time maybe mm-hmm. to get to the big leagues but uh, one of those trades where i think that it was kind of like a take it or leave it for me but they got something for nothing there so not not an overwhelming grade on it, but I think they did fine. Like I, I think that that's outfield depth, right? That is major league ready is something the Marlins don't really have. Exactly. So I mean, they have guys, but I don't know that I, I would want to play them. I think I would rather give this guy a chance over some of the ones they have to see what he can be, and, that, and that's all this is. Yeah, totally agree on on that front completely. So we'll just move to the next deal, which was early in the afternoon. On Friday, on deadline day, the Marlins did make a trade with the Atlanta Braves. They sent yeah, Adam they Duvall. Yeah. <laughs> somebody was really wrong about that one. Who was that? Boy, I think somebody said that they wouldn't trade with the Braves. That guy doesn't deserve a job. Honestly. I don't remember who that was, but we'll certainly ignore it. <laughs> well, they did trade Adam Duvall back to Atlanta in exchange for 2014 first round pick catcher. Alex Jackson. Um, this was an interesting trade to me, Craig. Duval for Jackson. What are your thoughts here? Not a good trade. Not a good trade here for mm-hmm. the Marlins. Inside that clubhouse, we hear a lot about character. We hear about likability. We hear a lot about professionalism. And, and and then you look and you look at the stats, and then you look at performance. And Adam Duval brought all of that to Miami. Mm-hmm. Adam Duval, extremely well liked a professional's professional clobbering home runs, winning games for Miami all season, only going to make a couple million the rest of the year. Would he have walked away at the end of the year? Yeah, probably he would have, but, but I mean, could Miami have gone to him and said, Hey, instead of keeping you for seven, can we try 10 instead of keeping you for seven? Can we try two years, 12 million? They never did. And, and, and he's a solid outfielder. And, and the player they got back in return is not a starting catcher. And, and the Braves are sharp. They know what they're mm-hmm. doing. Um, you know, it, it, the, Braves, the Braves tried to uh, get Duvall for weeks. It, right. when, I think when Acuna went down, they tried to do it right there. Uh, but the, the Marlins refused to, 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 make, to make deals with Atlanta. That's why, that's why I said what I said there. Right. Miami, I, I mean, I, my, the only thing that I can guess 
is that Miami went all across the league, found nothing, and then Jeremy were forced to send him back to the Braves because they could get nothing for Adam Duvall. Maybe that is the case. I I don't know, but I was not a fan of that trade yesterday. I, I, I think there are still 60 games left here, and if you've decided that you want to uh, you know, say, stay somewhat competitive, meaning not go 0 and 60. And right. you showed that with keeping Blyer and you showed that with keeping Floro because you could have shipped them out too. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think Duvall was the dice game there. Maybe you roll the dice, see if you can endear him and see if you could mm-hmm. keep him here. Maybe make him a little bit of a better offer. Uh, disappointed on that one for me. I, I thought, and and I don't think this, maybe Jackson will work out and be a backup catcher, but, and, and the Braves do have backup catching depth. Uh, they have uh, William Contreras. They have another catcher, Shea Langoliers. Mm-hmm. They had uh, Darno, but he's out for the season. So from their perspective, they gave up nothing to try and fight a little bit more this year. Uh, I was not a fan of that deal. Yeah, I, I think the biggest reason I found the trade interesting was actually probably more from Atlanta's perspective, just in the fact that they really yesterday completely overhauled their roster in order to try to continue to compete in the NL East in, in a division that's so up for grabs as we've seen. And then Jackson, you know, like, like you mentioned, maybe some catching depth down the line, that's all but it is. probably right. And, and both of these moves are that. So we'll move to the John Curtis deal. And that's, that was the last move the Marlins made. Uh, they traded John Curtis to Milwaukee for catcher Peyton Henry. Uh, he will start his career with the Marlins at the AAA level. So another sort of dishing of a reliever in exchange for uh, some more catching depth. Yeah, I think the reason why Curtis was the last to go is because, you know, when you have an organization, you're going to agree and disagree on different things. I think Curtis had some had some love inside the organization to to potentially stay and instead move Flora or move Blyer, you know, and and because Curtis can open. Jeremy's actually been pretty consistent Mm -hmm. amongst all those guys from the beginning of the season. But, uh, you know, for whatever reason, he was the odd man out in the end. And, and the catcher that they got back seems to be amongst the three that they got uh, in these deals outside of, of Lazardo was maybe the most upside there. So potentially, what are we looking at here with him? A backup catcher at, right. at the big league level, someone that's definitely going to need a little bit more AAA time for sure. But what this signals to you is that two things. Number one, they absolutely needed more catching depth. It was insane how thin they were there. And number two, that they're, they're ready to move on from Jorge Alfaro. And they've yep. identified that it just it, it may not it may not happen right now, but it, I think it will happen soon. I think they're going to give Jackson a chance to play. Maybe we'll see this kid play at the end of the season. But they they publicly will never say it. They have moved on right. and, and they they're going to upgrade that position. The other thing that I would say, this is not a negative at all on this trade with Milwaukee. But let's keep in mind, there's a reason why David Stearns a couple of years ago won executive of the year hmm. and uh, you know, the trades that they make, the acquisitions they make, Christian Yelich, Willie Adamas, like, I mean, this guy knows what he's doing here. He's really good at his job. Why would he give this player up? I don't know. Is there a chance the Marlins got the better of it? Sure. Is David Stearns the same guy that didn't want Anthony Bender and then the Marlins got him? Absolutely he is. Right. But let's all keep these things in mind. Let's not just bash other organizations for giving up players. They know what they're doing too. So uh, all in all, in terms of the trade deadline, I think I mentioned this uh, late last night or mm-hmm. the night, whatever, on social media. Uh, I'm, I'm going to grade them here in terms of what they did 
as just getting a C. I, I don't think it was better than that, Jeremy. I think that they could have done a little bit better. I'm not sure why Blyer wasn't traded. I'm not sure why Flora wasn't traded. I feel like they could have got a better return on Adam Duvall. I like the trade with Marte. I'm okay with the trade with Houston and Milwaukee. But I, I suppose for people who were sort of upset that something big didn't happen, well, what were we told publicly? We were told publicly by Marlin CEO Derek Jeter that the team was not sellers, that the team was trying to get better. That's what we were told. And when you set that sort of expectation and you come back with two unknown catchers, an unknown outfielder, and a pitcher whose ERA was six, like mm. you, you, you can't, I, I can't convey that to you here. So I, I think it was obvious that the Marlins were sellers and, and it's fine to say that, Hey, we were 15 games under 500. We couldn't beat the pirates. Like right. we're going to have to, we're going to have to do better. And it's going to start by moving these guys at the end of the season. And, and, and I think that would, and personally with all due respect, I think that would have been a much easier way to convey, not get my hopes up that something was really genuinely going to make the team better at the trade deadline, because I don't think, anything as of right now made them a better team in 2022 and, and 2021. And I can't say that they're going to be better in 2022 based on these trades. Cause I don't know. Right. So they were sellers and they sold and we move on. Right. And when, when you talk about making the team better, like whether or not these trades ultimately make the organization better in the long run, irrelevant to this season, Adam Duvall and Starling Marte, and Yemi Garcia is your closer. I mean, these guys were really productive for the Marlins and they're no longer there. And so you're a worse major league team right now than you were. So to make any sort of statement otherwise would be inaccurate. If you want to say, hey, the organization got better, that's fine by you. That's your prerogative. And look, adding some of that depth is important. What, what you and I have sort of um, beleaguered on this podcast pretty much all season is that catching depth really killed the Marlins at the beginning of the year. They were looking at the scrap heap to try to make some decisions to try to add they people. Were. And yeah. that extra outfield depth, even if Brian De La Cruz is not a starter long-term, if he can be a productive fourth or fifth outfielder who you're not panicked to go to, um, you know, we, we've watched the Marlins go to their minor league system over the last couple of years, but particularly this season, one major criticism that actually you and I have both had is they weren't prepared for when guys went down with injury. A lot of these moves yesterday almost feel like that to make sure that in the future, when guys go down with injury, that they're prepared to have at least replacement level quality players within their system. And that doesn't necessarily make you better today, um, but it, it feels like the type of tweaks that you make if you are going to try to make some sort of other moves to make yourself better this winter, possibly. Yeah, I, I talked to somebody last night who, who, who I thought made a pretty good point and, and I guess you know, listens to some of the things that I say, not, not to make opinion, but just listens to some of my commentary yeah. saying, somebody said to me, you know, you, you've, you've said now for the last couple of months that your frustration is, is with them, is with the Marlins not moving on and, and yeah, just keep going back on. to the same players over and over again. Would, and then the question was asked, would you say that this signals more of that than anything else? And I would Absolutely. say yes. Absolutely. And I would say yes. This, this signals that maybe they, they have finally said, okay, it is time for Brian Miller to get his shot and exactly. De La Cruz to get his shot. And we're going to have a different catcher. Like it, it may, it, it, the shots may not work, but to me, that is a critical part of mm -hmm. this organization is to move on from things that are not working. 
And and maybe this is more of a signal of that. At least we can hope that that's what it is, Jeremy. Yeah, that's all I've w- wanted to try to take it as. And hopefully, like you mentioned, even guys who were already within the organization, you know, we talked about like Bryson Brigman before. Maybe we see some of him in the last right. couple of months, right? Some of these guys who haven't gotten their shot within the organization and now bringing in some outsiders. Hey, go ahead and try to take advantage of these last couple months. Put yourself in position to succeed going into 2022, and they can evaluate from there. But now, this is where it gets interesting in this conversation with us because what we can delve into is what did not happen for the Marlins. And that's not just the trades of Richard Blyer or Dylan Floro and relievers who didn't get moved. There was some interesting stuff out there, Craig, that, that you and I have spoken about. And so... I would love to just kind of dive into to what was out there for the Marlins that might have been the splashy move that didn't happen. Yeah, I think Kim Eng said it pretty well on the field on Friday that they had a lot of people calling them about trades. I feel mm-hmm. that's, from what I understand, accurate. There, there's, there's also an element that goes into reporting, and I've mentioned how big the trade deadline is for me and how big the winter is for me, because that's when I'm exhausting all of my relationships, friendships, and and personal uh, business acquaintances during this time. Mm-hmm. So, so while yes, I am dealing with the Marlins, of course, I am dealing with so many other people and executives, which is why guys like Ken Rosenthal and Jeff Passan and Robert Murray and and Joel Sherman, like I mean, the I, the, the contacts that these the Rolodex that these guys have beyond right. this. You know what I mean? It makes me feel like silly to, to what to have what I have. Like I I could never do what they. Maybe I can. I don't know. I don't want to sell myself short. Sure. Maybe one day sure. I can. But but I'm not trying. But right. but I'm trying right. to right. focus in on all of my contacts to find out what the Marlins are doing, and they did a great job hiding it. Clearly, I had no idea that that Starling Marte was going to Oakland right until like an hour before he went. So. Part of part of the of the non trades is more intriguing because I'm doing the same thing and finding out wow this almost happened. So I knew that they were chasing a center fielder. I had put that out so many times mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks because I knew that that was their pursuit. But I did not know who the center fielder was. So as I'm doing this and sort of, you know, every once in a while I'm, I'm getting, I'm eliminating a guy from the pool. Like I have a pool of players that I think are possible and through different contacts, I'm able to deduce and get rid of one team at a time. Okay. No, no, no. Yes. Player. No, no. Um, I was doing those spaces. You know, I still thought some players were involved. Then of course, somebody hears me say Cedric Mullins. I get a text. It is definitely not Cedric. Okay. He's gone. Byron Buxton, okay, he's gone too. So it makes it easier just by eliminating yeah. players. It's, it's, right. it's much better. So it comes down to a day last week, and I get a notification that the Los Angeles Angels basically have their top decision makers in Pensacola to watch Max Meyer. So, okay, all right. Now, now, now we've begun something here. Yep. Now I know that the Angels are involved they are in some way they they this is this this could be it i I figured it out now it could be but i don't know who because clearly they have two center fielders jeremy that are out there uh in joe adele and brandon marsh those are the two that they have as possibilities so 
in in talking about other players like Brian Reynolds and Nick Senzel, and I'm going through all of my possibilities here, looking at Seattle too, I finally am able to, to speak to somebody who tells me that Joe Adele essentially is not being traded from the Angels. He's having a great mm-hmm. year in AAA. Uh, they, 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 if, if they're going to trade him, it's going to be like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't want to use Jacob DeGrom, but it's like they, they are going to shoot for the sky with that guy. Got it. But maybe, maybe they'd be more willing to trade Brandon Marsh. So in, in having discussions and going back and forth, uh, started getting some confirmations later in the week that that was the trade, that those are the two players that are being talked about in the trade. The Angels end up going to Pensacola. They feel good enough uh, seeing Max Meyer pitch um, on a bad weather day, I think, too that 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 Meyer is their target uh, from Miami and the Marlins uh, have targeted Brandon Marsh as their guy and so essentially the Angels before they make a deal like a a blockbuster type deal to trade uh, I think their third best prospect top 50 guy they got they want to go see the pitcher the pitcher throws they end up liking what they see and now the trade gets really hot Jeremy and that's when you see me Right. on Wednesday saying, my gosh, like, I think this has got a shot. I think, I mean, and, and do I think this is a good trade or not? I don't know, but this is going to be right. fun to discuss. I mean, here they are, they're ready to trade their first round pick for 2020 for their Gracious. center fielder of the future. It's gotta be, they got to think that yeah, in order it. to make this trade. And by the way, Marsh's big league numbers, like a lot of rookies haven't looked all that great. Yeah. But, but everyone, but everyone I'm talking to out West, they love Brandon Marsh. My gosh, the character makeup fast defense, left-handed, oh projects as a starting everyday you know outfielder angels love them and and then for something happens and i'm not exactly sure but i i believe the angels i don't know if they got cold feet i don't want to say that but i think the angels may have said you know what we're at the deadline let's see if we can catch miami a little desperate here because we know how much they love the player let, let's push it a little further let's let's see if we can get a little something else uh, the Marlins, that was that was the end. Marlins are basically, from what I'm told, again, could be wrong. I'm not in the room. I don't know. Right. Marlins, hey, you want this deal? It is going to be Meyer. It's for Marsh, just like Gallon for Jazz. Yep. Take it, leave it, done. Angels, do not call back. Late in the day on, uh, late in the day on Friday, about an hour and a half, I am I don't even care about any of the other trades the Marlins are making. I'm just, <laughs> is this happening? Is right. this happening? Is this happening? I'm calling everybody that I know. Is it happening? Is it close? And I'm told, uh, don't know. Don't know. Oh, maybe, maybe not. Oh, and then three, three o'clock Eastern comes. Oh, we're fading here. I'm, I'm yeah. bummed out. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're not going to do it. Something happened. I'm going to have to find out. Four o'clock comes, it goes by. Yeah. So there you have it. I, I think you know, people have asked me, Jeremy, is this a trade that they could revisit during the winter? Absolutely. I think mm-hmm. that this still could happen. Max Meyer is a great young pitcher who, even if he's not a one in the big leagues, goodness, and, and maybe some people don't think he is. I mean, he certainly has a chance to be a two or a oh, three yeah. in, at the big league level. Brandon Marsh has a chance to be a star in the outfield but he's blocked by some other guy in, in, uh-huh. in, the, in the, with the angels i don't know who he is some center fielder i'm not sure I've never <laughs> heard of him before. so i mean yeah they're that, out that's isn't where we're at <laughs> that's where we're at and given the fact that he is so high on their board 
And given the fact that Meyer is so high on the Angels board, if they can work this out in December, I think we have a fun trade to discuss again. And by the Mm -hmm. way, one that as you're probably listening to this, some of you are thinking, no way, I would never trade Max Meyer for Brandon Mars. Some of you are thinking, my gosh, we got to get Brandon Mars for Max Meyer. That's what makes a great trade. And Uh that's what makes the conversation so much fun. So everyone can have fun with that. And that's, that's almost what happened. They also, and, and also as a side note, the only other player of relevance in this conversation. So it could be something again to watch in the winter, but nothing close was Brian Reynolds of Mm -hmm. the Pittsburgh pirates. Brian Reynolds was of interest to Miami. He is, he is the, well, Brian Hayes is there too. Reynolds is essentially like the last man standing in Pittsburgh, like the real Muto of, of Miami at the time they tore everything down. And so you can understand they still need to sell tickets. They got to put somebody uh, on their billboards, uh, yeah. you know, like he, they, they, the Marlins were never going to give what the pirates were asking for. And I, and, but, but again, the conversation happened, maybe it's something that changes. You guys know how I feel about Jacob Stallings. If they could package those two mm-hmm. together, but you're, you're legitimately talking about like three pitchers going back to Pittsburgh. And then now you're changing the conversation. Cause you're now you're leaving yourself a little bit thin in that respect. So uh, but the first trade was definitely almost Man. there, Jeremy. Really interesting to see that almost happen. Well, and it's interesting, the the Marsh for Meyer concept, because like you mentioned, and, and hey, for what it's worth, we had these conversations dating back weeks and weeks ago about could the Marlins trade or try to trade from a position of organizational strength with their pitching and do something similar like what they did gallon for jazz and at the time, both, although Gallon was producing at the major league level and, you know, Jazz was still at the minor league level, to know that you were swapping those prospects, neither of those guys, for what it's worth at the time, was hyped up the way that both Max Meyer and Brandon Marsh are right now within their respective organizations. So that would have been a splashy deal. That would have been a big deal. But like you mentioned, going back to it in the winter now, and it makes Kim Ang's remarks from yesterday you know, make that much more sense, which is we felt like the work that we did over the last few days put us in position to where we know what to expect this winter and what people's values are. And so even if that's where things are, right, they now at least have a better understanding of what the value is for a player like Brian Reynolds, for a player like Brandon Marsh, for their own player and Max Meyer, you know, that can only lead you into a better position this upcoming winter, theoretically. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, my work on this trade is nowhere done. Like right. I am, I am. And the Marlins tra- and the Marlins and angels probably are nowhere done too. I mean, the angels just traded Andrew Heaney away too. Mm. Like when they made that trade, I was like, wow, this maybe has a chance again, boy, the angels pitching what a- as, as much pitching as the Marlins have, the angels have none. Like and they, they have 20 none. pitchers. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, so there is a perfect match. They have two it's months perfect. to continue to discuss this thing. I am, am now discussing this with other people, sort of, you know, getting my my uh, gauge on it too privately, sure. and 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 let and let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. I, I think I think that that that's why for everyone who is and hopefully that changes your opinion of the Marlins organization being so upset. I will say that like they worked really really hard to do that, right? You know. And whether or not you like that trade or not, it, it showed that they were interested in, in, in upgrading the team. But I think they set that expectation. And then when it doesn't happen, it's like it would have just been much easier just to say, yeah, we're selling and right. then surprise us like they have the last couple of years, getting Marte, getting, getting uh, 
getting jazz. Mm-hmm. And by saying that we did those sort of things, it sets you up to do it again. And then when right. you don't, you're going to be disappointed. So why set that expectation? I, that, that, that's the only thing that I was like so perplexed by going into this. But, but there's no question these guys uh, and, and girls worked very, very hard at the deadline. And, and that is part of my grade. That is part of my conversation. And knowing that the attempt was there, these guys were just not sitting around eating pizza. Like they, right. they, they tried to make a, a, a huge deal right. and get the center field and it just didn't happen. So, so that's why I'm not giving them a failing grade at the trade deadline. If I knew that there was nothing, it would be a D. Yeah. Right. Like it would be like, like, what did you do? You just, you just gave away their guys for right. like a couple backups. Okay. Fantastic. Great job. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, Washington, the Cubs, like th- this teams. is this is how it's done. You you right. tear it all the way down. You take you you go all the way down and you rebuild. The Cubs are now going to rebuild. Miami's got to finish ahead of Washington next year. Yikes! Mm-hmm. So like like that that's that's kind of where they're at. So the part of my grade also is the disappointment. Again, you have Dylan Floro, you have Richard Blyer. Uh uh-uh. uh, all the way down. Like Andrew Chafin, all the way down. Like yeah. you, John Lester, goodbye. Like any anything that you can get twenty cents on the dollar for you do it because if the reason why Jeremy is for somebody to say, well, Craig, I completely disagree because look, we need, geez, we need a couple relievers to have a semblance of a competitive team sure. in the second half. Okay, cool. Keep Adam Duvall. Right. <laughs> Keep right. Adam Duvall. If that right. is the case, I mean, you literally now need a right fielder too, for sure. Yeah. Everyone knows it. So uh, a fun deadline for sure. It was amazing to see so many moves. And, and I'm hopeful that next deadline, Miami is in this spot where they're the ones like the Dodgers, like the Padres, like Seattle, like, the, like mm-hmm. these teams that are back in and fighting and trying to get players. Hopefully that is the case. I know that they have their work cut out for them this winter. I think they recognize that as well. And, uh, you know, hopefully with, with the way things are right now, it's, you know, the winter meetings are probably uncertain again. But sure. if they do have a winter meetings, in Nashville this year, I will be there and, and uncovering as much as I possibly can for everybody, but um, that'll pretty much do it. That, that's yeah, what and happened. Ju- and, trade and just to sort of wrap up my own thoughts here on, on how that went down, the place where I really agree with you is that it made no sense to hold on to some of these relievers. That is the space where it's like when you are breaking things down and you're trading away, you're, you're probably two best bats in Marte and Duvall it doesn't make a lot of sense to hold on to these pieces that could provide value. That was no different than the value you just picked up, right? If we're going to talk about Peyton Henry as value for John Curtis, you probably, at least I assume, look, I'm not, I'm not you. I'm not doing the reporting on this, but I imagine some similar value out there for guys like Blyer and Floro, you know, who could be beneficial to bullpens for, for teams that are competing. So why not continue to add more pieces, but a space where I am actually like oddly happy is that the Marlins not only went in on what could have been the splashy trade, but then had the confidence within the organization to not make it. And that I know sounds ridiculous, but in years past, whenever the Marlins, this is how I've always you know, seen it, at least from, and this is from the old days, but forever, there's been how many trades because, oh, we got to get that guy right now. And to not operate out of a point of desperation at a deadline that is an arbitrary deadline. There's no, there's no need for the Marlins to add that player today as opposed to this winter. 
if they said no, nothing beyond Max Meyer, I'm glad there was an actual line set and not just here's more and more and more because we've identified a player that we want. So seeing a team have value for certain players and execute it the way that they want, whether, whether it ends up working out or not, I'm just like grateful to see a semblance of a, a plan, a strategy. And whether it works out long-term or not, we still have to see this offseason now becomes the moment for the Marlins to make those moves to add to what they've, they've put together here and take some of these pieces that have come up and shown they can compete and now really do what's necessary to put that, that championship level organization around them. And so we'll see what happens. It's not saying they're, you know, going to compete for world series next year, but it's time to take those steps and, and we all see it. Um, as yeah. we do move, oh no, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, well, yeah, just yeah, one other one other thing. You know, the two players that weren't traded, there was some speculation on on Miguel Rojas, and 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 a and you know certainly you can everyone seems to be in unison and and no one wanting to see him traded, but we will dissect that in a year or two from now mm-hmm. whether or not the offers were good enough for Rojas and whether they held on too long. We're gonna have to wait and see how he mm-hmm. plays next year. But as of as of right now. Uh, you know, there's no interest in trading him whatsoever. And and they really didn't have a, a lot of great offers for Jesus Aguilar. You know, I, I think that they thought they were going to, because as Aguilar was sort of streaking, they thought that maybe something was going to come in that was going to blow them away. And, and that never happened. Right. So, uh, you know, they, they also, by the way, Jeremy, a critical part for these next two months, in my opinion, is is figuring out a way to play Lewin Diaz. Oh, so yeah. we know whether or not he could play next year. I don't know that they accomplished that at the deadline and, and, uh, Jesus uh, uh, seem, uh, Aggie seems to be pretty amenable to doing whatever they want to do. And I know it could be a hard conversation to have, but I, I think Lewin Diaz has got to play once or twice a week at first base the rest of the season. Yeah. I, I mean, how can they possibly go into next year and just making the assumption that he's your everyday first baseman and not knowing that's a critical offensive position to have. So that's a dynamic that we'll have to watch as we go. I just wanted to throw that in there for the end wholeheartedly agree and and to hopefully as as we watch the marlins in these last two months what we see is a bunch of lewin diaz jazz chisholm jr jesus sanchez whenever he comes back and now these additions of de la cruz and alex jackson and just all these guys all right let's see what you can do um and and that's sort of what the next couple months are on the major league level for the marlins but Let's let's before we wrap up, there is other Marlins sort of front office move to talk about here with Khalil Watson, the first round pick. Craig, you've been reporting that the Marlins are close on Watson for a while now. What's the deal as of this morning? I believe the deadline is tomorrow. Yeah, he'll be signed. It's just a matter of, of getting it tied up here. So, I, you know, it, it's, it's like everybody has this thing on the half yard line, including me, and that's kind of where it is. Right. So if you read between the lines there, you know that there's one thing left to do essentially before he signs on the dotted line. And uh, in Miami, like most organizations, is uh, a little superstitious with that. So they are basically not confirming that he signed. He is uh, coming to South Florida Saturday. And why would he come here if he's right. not if he's not going to sign? So. Uh, on, I don't know when anyone is listening to this. You could be listening to this on Sunday. You could be listening to it next week, but just be rest assured. Khalil Watson is going to sign and, and he's going to be on in the Marlins organization. And, um, and they're going to end up having, according to at least people that I talk to, they're going to have the number one draft in all of major league baseball in 2021. Amazing. How about that? They're going to be number one in all of baseball <laughs> in terms of their draft, which 
is 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 stunning how far they've come on that one like that's big that's time. a job well done i mean that's i, I mean and even if they're not number one in some publications they're gonna end up being number two or number three but from what i'm hearing and the people that i talk to at those publications you know they've basically you know they're they asked me last week hey is watson gonna sign is watson gonna sign because if he does we're gonna put the marlins number one amazing i'm like i don't know if he's gonna sign but man that's pretty crazy so look for yeah. that look for that coming if if if, if indeed this is done, like I believe it is wild times for sure. Right. Well, and, and I guess it's, it is worth putting those two things together, looking at both the trade deadline and the draft and thinking about how did the Marlins in the month of July make their organization better. That's kind of all we can look at. And I see four and a half million dollars toward Khalil Watson to get him into the organization. I see four and a half million dollars sent to Oakland to get Jesus Lazardo into the organization, these high upside players, it it makes you at least hopeful going forward that that if nationally everyone is saying, "Hey, look at that guy! Look at that guy! They're in Miami," you know that that maybe the Marlins are here doing some of the right things. But Craig, any sort of final thoughts before we wrap up? You know, we mentioned all the trades that did happen, all the trades yeah. that didn't happen, the signing. Any sort of thoughts here? No, I thank everybody for following along with me during the trade deadline. Hopefully I delivered the kind of content for you guys that, that you like, that you enjoy. I really appreciate all of people's support. I do it for you guys. Clearly, you know, I do work for sports grid, which is my primary gig every day from 12 to two Eastern. And that's what is paying my bills and everything else we do is a side hustle. So understand that I'm doing it for me, of course, because Hopefully, as my career continues to evolve, there are other great things that come with that. But I do understand the responsibility of doing it and appreciate everybody who's supported me through the years and doing it. Happily, I was, I was able to break a few trades and I'll continue to follow the organization. We'll continue to do what we do. Um, I will say it's going to be tough to watch the next two months. It's going to be very, very difficult. <laughs> yeah. I would buckle up for that. It's going to be extremely difficult to watch these games, but we will continue to roll on until the end of the season. And the winter, to me, must be the most important winter since this new regime has taken over. There's no question. So this is going to be, this is it. This is the game changer coming up. Or maybe not, but this has got to be the game changer for them this winter. So I hope you have a good weekend, Jeremy, and we'll see you at the ballpark. Yeah, same to you, everyone, everybody listening to this. Thank you for following our coverage during this trade deadline and for following us at Swings and Mishes on Twitter, at Craig Mish over there, at Jeremy Taché right here. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Swings and Mishes, and we'll be back with you next week.